Welcome to Corestruction, a show about the employees, missions, and activities of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Today I have with me Levi Rendell. He is a project engineer on the Eufaula Dam Bridge Replacement Project. Welcome to the show, Levi. Thanks, Brennan. Glad to be here. So tell me about the project and uh, a little bit of the, the unique aspects of it. Of this okay, one. so this is a um, fairly large project, large scale. Um, we are completely replacing the Eufaula Bridge, and that is the main bridge that goes over the um, dam structure at Eufaula Lake, which is the main structure that diverts water from the lake to the river downstream. Um, we have completely replaced the bridge. The bridge was originally built back in 1960. Um, so it's quite an older bridge and it um, definitely needed some, some work. It had some structural concerns with the concrete holding up the bridge. And so with this, through this project, we've completely demolished the bridge and we are now in the process of rebuilding a new bridge. Um, and with that, with um, bridges at a lot of our lakes, they're a little bit more intricate than your typical highway bridge. Um, one, of course, being that it goes over water, over a lake, as compared to typically over land. Um, additionally, these are over our structures, which are um, manually controlled gates. So we also have to have a large series of catwalks, platforms to hold the equipment that controls the gates. Um, through this project, we've also replaced the torque shafts for the gates, which are the main rotating masses that control the gates. Think like an axle to a car wheel. Um, we're replacing the axle as well. So a few different phases um, with this project that we're doing. So uh, guys, a lot of the damage the, the bridge deck suffered um, was, was due to, um, well, I mean, where people driving across the dam, especially in 2015 when we had the flood, um, we started seeing a lot of cavitation on the roadway has noticed that it needed to be replaced what um and if you're wondering about the echo by the way it's because we are actually here at eufaula <laughs> doing the project in the in the project building we're doing this interview so um you guys noticed that the bridge deck needed to be replaced and you start the planning process and you guys when did you start construction actually so we actually started construction um march of 20 20 is when we closed the bridge officially and began the first phases of demolition. Um, and we really um, kind of to back up a little bit, it wasn't just the deck, the bridge deck that was in poor shape. The supports that hold up the bridge are really what was deteriorating. We had exposed metal inside the concrete, which is a pretty big sign that you have some problems. Um, and the deck was in rough shape as well, but the big structural concerns were the supports that hold up the side of the bridge. We also had metal girders on this bridge, which are the supports that run parallel with the roadway. Um, and in newer, more um, advanced standards, we've kind of gone away from the metal girders and have gone towards these precast girders that we're using for this specific size of bridge. And um, you there, the unique one of the unique aspects of this bridge is you're using a different type of concrete for the panels. Just so like like Keystone, which was replaced, I think it was finished in fourteen, right or 15, 15, 14, 15. 15. Mm -hmm. and um, 
that also has panels, but this is different. This is done in a different way. So, so this method we're doing is a fairly different way than your standard bridge method um, or one of the more standard bridge methods that involve deck panels. The panels themselves are very similar to the keystone panels. Um, typically, how you'll do a bridge is you'll lay down all the panels of this type. You'll lay down the panels and you'll drill a very large hole through the entire width of the bridge through every single panel, um, a hole that lines up and then you'll put a steel strand through these holes and you'll pull it real tight, think like a rubber band. You pull the rubber band really tight and um, you'll grout it in so that it sticks. And then when you release that, now you have all this built up tension and it wants to relax on itself. So it pushes those panels together and uses a compressive force to kind of hold the actual bridge together. Um, in recent times, as um, we've been kind of demoing bridges and rebuilding bridges, we've realized that there's been some issues with this post-tension method where those steel strands that are buried deep in the bridge, they kind of hold the bridge together. We've been realizing that there's little air pockets in those holes. We can't completely fill them in with grout. And that causes moisture to get in, which corrodes a lot of these steel strands and breaks them. Um, they've been corroding, breaking, which is not good. That's what's holding the bridge together. And um, you can't really tell that it's failing until you take the bridge apart. So this new method we're doing, um, we're actually able to do it because of a new kind of state-of-the-art concrete technology. It's called ultra-high-performance concrete. And a lot of times you'll hear it referred to as UHPC. And it's basically a extremely strong <clears throat> concrete. Um, it's really only used in the joints. So instead of placing all the panels and squeezing them together, we'll kind of place the panels next to each other with a little space, think like puzzle pieces. And this goes between that space and really acts as a glue. It kind of holds the panels together like a super strong, really strong glue. Um, and this UHPC, the Ultra Performance Concrete, is a really special, unique material. So typically, um, one of the ways we judge the properties of concrete is how strong it is. And to do that, we make cylinders, concrete cylinders, and we test the strength of it by squeezing it and seeing how much pounds um, per square inch it takes to break the concrete. Typical concrete um, that we use in bridges will break anywhere from 4,000 to even 8,000 PSI, pounds per square inch. Um, so just to kind of get a scale, this UHPC we're using, it breaks anywhere from 21,000 to we're even seeing 28,000 PSI breaks. So significantly higher than any kind of concrete we've used or seen in the past. And um, I think I was talking, I think one of you guys said earlier that here, this will probably be the single biggest amount of that in Oklahoma, in, in, in the country right now or in Oklahoma? In the state, in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. Yes. This is the first bridge of this type <clears throat> in Oklahoma, and this will be the most UHPC poured at any um, location in Oklahoma. Um, this, this process um, of using the UHPC for these bridges, it's fairly popular in Europe, and it's becoming more and more popular in the U.S. It's common on the East Coast as well as the West Coast, um, and now we're seeing it for the first time here in Oklahoma. Wow. Um, and now one of the, the aspects of this concrete, because we don't really know the formula because it's what patented, right? it's all it's patented. patented. So, you know, we don't, we don't know all the ingredients or anything like that, but we do know that there's like really tiny slivers of, of steel 
in it, right? Which is correct. Unique. Correct. So, what does that do, or how so how how this concrete really differentiates from typical concrete? Um, normal concrete has aggregate or pieces of rock throughout the concrete, and that kind of helps give it strength, hold it together, um, create surface for the grout to stick. This UHPC does not have any aggregate, has no rock in it. What it has instead are thousands and thousands of tiny, very small steel fibers. Um, think like, they almost look like pieces of hair. They're so thin, um, very small within an inch to two inches long. And they dump these fibers into the mix, basically in lieu of the aggregate. And that um, gives it a lot of tension, or tensile strength, which concrete doesn't typically have. Typically, concrete is very strong and compressive and not strong in tension. Um, additionally, um, I've talked to Dr. Royce at the University of Oklahoma. They've been working with the Department of um, Oklahoma Department of Transportation, who has been kind of partnering with us in this project. They've been working a lot with us on this, as it is one of their highways. And they've been a huge help. And um, we've been working with them and the University of Oklahoma and Dr. Royce is kind of an expert on this UHPC, and he's described it to me that one of the ways this concrete is so strong, the reason they can make it so strong is they found a way to take out a significant amount of air out of the concrete. So it's very, very dense, extremely dense. And if, if you think about the molecular level, taking the air out of that allows all the molecules to be closer together, which allows for a stronger um, bond between the molecules. So that that's fascinating that that they figured out a way to make it. I mean, that's, that's like almost what uh, five times strong. What you said it was about five thousand to eight thousand pounds. Typical square? is five to eight, and we've seen breaks at twenty eight thousand. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's so, like more than five times. Yeah, now. we're we're looking at you know three to four times the strength, and um, it, which is just crazy. I've never seen anything that strong before. Um, have Have other districts been using this yet, or? So currently there's really only two patents on the project. One is from a company called Lafarge in um, Texas, and they're kind of the experts on it. They're the go-to that anyone who's building these kind of bridges use, utilizes. Um, the other ones who have a patent is uh, Erdic, and they, um, they've been doing some serious studies on the UHPC. And that's the uh, Engineering um, Research Development Center, right? Yes, sir, and there's, correct. there's two of those, aren't there? Or Sort of. There's two locations. Correct. Like Vicksburg correct. and is it the one in Vicksburg? The or? one in Vicksburg. Okay. So we'll give we'll give Vicksburg the credit that they so so rightly deserve. Um, are we using? Uh, and now these are being cast down in San Antonio, Texas, and then they truck them up here. So and these, we have a these a panels QC on site. Correct. These so these panels and the girders. Now they're made of the typical concrete that we're seeing the 8,000 psi mm -hmm. breaks at, and those are being made cast in Texas. Um, we're using. Texas Department of Transportation standards for this bridge. Um, a couple different reasons. This is a very unique bridge and Texas is very specialized in bridges. If you've ever driven through, it's crazy how many bridges are in Texas. So we wanted to use their standards for it. So we're having them cast in Texas at a very large plant that does a lot of specialty type panels. Um, and we do, so one of our benefits of partnering with ODOT is ODOT has their own QC at the plant that we're fabricating these at. Um, and he's been doing an oversight for us, kind of, and helping us with 
with the QC. Yeah. Making sure that the panels meet the specifications. Making sure for, we're, we're getting for, what we for what text we're dot, right? We're asking for. Right. Mm -hmm. And 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 this really is like in in a large sense, it's 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 ODOT's bridge, so to speak. I mean, because it's part of their highway. So we, it's part it's of their highway. Um, and, it is. They they've contributed a lot. Technically, it's our bridge since it's over our structure. Okay. But we've done. They've been helping us. Um, with oversight and cost and everything. Um, Federal Highway has also contributed to cost for this. So it's it's been, a, I think, a unique experience to be able to partner with multiple um, government agencies. Um, we were talking when we were out at the site earlier, and I'll try to um, provide some video in, in, in one of the uploads that we do on the podcast. Um, and and you guys were saying you, were, you had learned a lot of lessons about just over the years building bridges and and what what are what is probably the most vital things that you've learned in relation to i don't know in the past projects with this one that you can apply to this one is what i mean right right so there's there's a lot that goes into these bridges especially these larger um scale bridges this is a very large bridge 11 spans i believe it's um 500 a little over 500 feet long um, and with the complexity, not, not only that, but the complexity of these bridges is that they are over the lake, over the water. So, um, one of the more challenging things to face with any of our bridge projects at the core is crane placements. If you're going to use a big crane, um, it's very difficult to do normal construction. That's not over water. You'll typically put the crane on the ground off to the side of the bridge, but, um, because we have a lake on one side and a 70 foot drop to a river on the other side, we have to um, place the cranes actually on the bridge, which is very difficult to do because now you have the entire weight of the crane and anything it's lifting up being supported by the bridge. So there's a lot of engineering calculations that go into what we call crane placement plans. And it's the contractor's way of explaining to us that where they're putting the crane is not going to destroy the bridge or a, a portion of the bridge. Um, so we've had a lot of experience with that, but, um, our contractors typically haven't. So typically that'll take a while to kind of get that figured out, figure out where we're going to put the crane and how we're going to place it, set it up. And, um, the contractor for this bridge project, Mobley, they, they have done quite a good job. They've done a lot of work with the Little Rock district, so they're pretty familiar with this kind of stuff, but, um, we've been working closely with them on that and they've, they're utilizing, three different um, typical tire cranes, and then they're also using a giant, what's called a gantry crane. And it's basically a crane that sits on rails. Um, if you think about like a U-shaped crane, an upside down U, mm -hmm. and the crane just skates alongside the bridge. So um, that was one of the bigger complexities starting off this project was getting the gantry crane installed and set up. Yeah, it looks like something that they use at the ports. It does, those, very those similar to yeah, what you would see pick up shipping crates, that kind of yeah. stuff. And if you've ever seen a, a photo of a powerhouse, there's almost always a it's a gantry crane, right? That's right. almost always a gantry crane in the powerhouse, so that if you ever have to lift one of those turbines out or whatever, correct. Um, at least for our vertical turbines. So we, oh. we uh, we've used the gantry crane at Keystone. A contractor did, so we've had a little bit of experience with them through that. Another problem we ran into at Keystone was the deck panels. Um, we had a lot of cracked flawed deck panels that we were receiving because those were also made in Texas and shipped up here. We had to reject uh, quite a few of them. So with this project, we've had a lot more eyes on our fabricator plant. I mentioned we have the Oklahoma Department of Transportation, 
QC uh, personnel down there, and uh, myself as well as a few of our couple of our designers from the district have made multiple trips down to the fabrication plant just to smooth out any bumps and make sure everything is operating and running smoothly. Yeah, that prevention on the front end saves you the trip it has. too. Right? Probably helps the contractor out too because then they're not trucking something all the way up here. Just exactly, to, it saves a lot of time and money. Right. Um, so the question, you know, everybody really wants to know is when is the project going to be complete? What are we, what are we expecting? Like, what can we tell the public as far as when, when they should potentially be expecting the, an opening weather permitting, of course, weather and, permitting, and, and we're, we're looking at our goal is March of 2023. Okay. So this has been a three year project and, um, that was originally our goal to get the bridge back open, up and running. Um, and it, it is a very long project. And again, that's, there's a lot of complexities involved with this bridge. It's a very large bridge and with the new type of construction, but um, our goal is March of 2023. So about um, a year and a half, a little more. Yeah, but, but I mean, you had COVID happen and um, were you guys impacted by the flood, by the 2019 flood at all? Or that you were still in sort of the planning we were still in our in our uh, final phases of planning yeah doing that, so. so that hasn't affected us too much we've had some flooding this year but um, we've been overcoming it our contractors been doing a really good job of working with us and our team as far as you know um, giving gate control back and back and forth and well I mean weather's always I mean you, you that's, that's any construction a, it's it's always it's always, the biggest always variable, there, right especially here in Oklahoma you never know what's gonna happen right I mean yeah and um, I think that's I think that's pretty much true everywhere. I don't, I don't know. Maybe out in the desert, it's extremely consistent in the desert. Right, right. But, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it's always it's always the most consistent and the most extreme. It is, um, it is between the floods and we've had some ice storms right. that have shut us down for a little bit. But we we are still tracking. We're still meeting our schedule. Our contractors still meeting all their deadlines, and we're looking looking like we're going to be on schedule with this. No, you you showed me uh, you showed me where you were using some neoprene at one spot to let, or at several spots. And, and tell me about that and, and how that, how, you, how that supports everything. So under each of our supports at every pier, so there's 11 spans um, and at the upstream side and downstream side. So 22 total places where these spans rest on the actual piers. Um, what, what happens is the bridge has to rest on something. And the thing that it rests on are these large neoprene blocks that are probably um, a foot by two feet, rectangle shape, and maybe six to five inches thick. And it's basically a giant rubber block. And the entire weight of the bridge rests on these um, 22 rubber blocks. And it's a very interesting material, and they're used in most, almost all bridges. Um, if you're driving under a bridge on the highway, you can. Sometimes if you look up, you can see the rubber blocks sitting under there, but um, it's a very strong, flexible material. So the bridge rests on it. And right now we've got girders and some deck panels set on some of these neoprene blocks and they just barely squeeze where you can see them bulging out on the sides, but they still hold their form pretty well. And um, one of the benefits to these are the main benefit why we use these is in a bridge in any kind of construction, really you have expansion through heat as things get hotter, they expand. As they get colder, they contract. And these allow for the bridge to expand. It gives some flexure to it so that um, we have a little bit of wiggle room. And um, 
there's some seismographic uh, benefit to that, right, as well? Like There are for these. So they they actually have metal dowels that go up through the middle mm -hmm. of these um, rubber neoprene seats, blocks, and um, they're slotted to go vertically across the bridge, the parallel of the bridge. Um, however, they're not slotted to go transverse of the bridge. And the reason for that is these rods really support the bridge in case of any earthquake seismic activity it'll prevent the bridge from toppling over it kind of holds them in place so they don't slide back and forth right and you've also uh you're also i mean like the entire catwalk for the for below the bridge deck has also been replaced so. for below the bridge deck um the old catwalk system actually hung from the top from beneath the bridge it hung straight down from the bridge and since we've replaced the bridge we've also replaced the catwalk um which is the main means for our um, hydropower office to access the bridge controls. So we've put a new inset catwalk that sits on its own. It spans from pier to pier instead of hanging down from the bridge, and it's a little bit wider, a little bit beefier. Yeah, that'll that'll help them when they're trying to get their tool. You were saying their tools or, and stuff. It gives them a little bit more room to work around, and they have they do a lot of work down there. You know, they do a lot of maintenance and they control the actual bridge gates, so it'll give them just a little bit more room. What is there anything that that I haven't asked you that I probably should have asked you or that, that you really think really is important to note about this project that maybe I haven't I haven't considered? Hmm. Take your time. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking that it's a big project. We've had a lot, you know, going on with it. But um How do you deal with things like weather? Like, I mean, when, when, when you have inclement weather, do, do they typically have to work through it or so, do you have to, does it stop? Is there a certain amount of rain where you can still work? So there is, um, in all of our construction contracts, we build in weather days and it's typically a couple days a month and it fluctuates based off the month. You know, we typically see more rain in April, May. So we'll have more built in weather days. Um, and when we do have inclement weather, the contractor often has to stop working if it's raining too seriously, lightning in the area, depending on the phase of work. And um, so we have built-in weather days. Now, if they if we have some crazy months where we just have rain on end and we go over those built-in days, then um, we will compensate the contractor with time. We will add time to the contract. However, we have a clause that we are only allowed to add time for anything like weather. So no additional cost goes to the contractor, just the time. So um, you said you're looking at potentially March of 23, is that correct? March of 2023. March of 2023, okay. So uh, that, that's, that's if we're not done by then and, and if there isn't a major rain, uh, storm, then you can be angry with us about it and call <laughs> me. And, um, no, I, I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to show me around. I mean, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll put footage up um, on the on the YouTube, when we upload this to YouTube and it'll be on, on the other, um, Apple and Spotify, but I'll put some video up on YouTube so that people can kind of see as we're talking what some of the stuff we're looking at. And, um, yeah, and it's just fascinating. I guess the, the, the panels are about what, 83 inches, about 83 inches. Typically 80, there's, so there's inches. seven different sizes of panels yeah. and the most common one, um, the primary panel is 83 inches long. 
they're also about um, one to two feet tall, depending on the panel and thickness. Um, typical bridge panels are not usually this thick. When we were at the fabrication plant down in San Antonio, they were making a lot of Texas textile panels that were, uh, you know, anywhere from three to six inches thick. So these are quite beefier than your typical. And they have to be because you've got a lake. And is that why, or is it just because? It's due to the complexity of the bridge, as well as um, with using this ultra high performance mm -hmm. concrete going in the joints there and kind of holding it together. And you, know, you, you showed me like that there's this foam material that kind of looks like, like foam insulation, mm -hmm. kind of like mm -hmm. cut out. And then you fill that in like a form, I guess, in between the, 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 the gaps. And then there's rebar that sticks out on each side. And then you fill that with the con. Is that where the UH? That is where the UHPC goes. goes. Okay. So this foam, it's almost like a pink styrofoam. Mm -hmm. And it just sits down. It sits in between the girders. So the girders run parallel to the roadway. Um, the deck panels sit perpendicular to the roadway. So you think about the girders run with the road, and then the deck panels sit across it, and they make up the surface of the bridge. Um, so this area in between where the deck panels sit on top of the girders, there's a three to four inch gap in between, depending, mm -hmm. it fluctuates throughout the bridge to make for a level surface. And um, we fill that gap as well with this UHPC, this ultra high performance concrete. And that um, gives it strength as well as helps hold the neck panel to the girders there. I think you described it as, um, or maybe David did, as, as it almost like welding it together. Yeah, so it's very similar to, um, if, you, if you think about welding, if you're familiar with welding at all, um, this UHPC is kind of like the filler that you will use to hold the concrete panels together. So um, I've, I've heard it mentioned as welding basically with concrete. But you don't have to have the little dime head. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Just a bunch of mixers and uh, yeah. a lot yeah. of testing. Yeah. And, um, and you've already got, I think when we went out there, there's what, like, was it, was there 12 laid down already? So far, twelve panels. Yeah, so 12 far panels laid as down, of this which, recording, which yeah. covers two spans. Yeah, um, so two of the eleven have been laid down. And you've got how many more to go? So there's seventy-four panels total. So okay, sixty-two yeah. more to go. All right. Yeah. Um, something else interesting about this UHPC is this time of the year it's very hot. Obviously, we're in Oklahoma summers. It's very warm, and um, to try to help with the temperature, combat that because temperature can affect your concrete significantly, especially when it's wet and being poured um, before it solidifies and cures. And so what we're doing for our UHPC pours, which we're expecting to do in the next couple weeks to a month here, um, we're actually doing an overnight pour to try to combat these heats. And our, our, our big concern with this is the sun, you know, evaporating some of the, the, moisture, the moisture out of the concrete. Like prematurely or whatever. Exactly, before it has a chance to cure. Um, so we are going to be doing some overnight operations here and uh, pouring our UHPC at, at nighttime. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting with concrete too. Now, I've seen people um, I've seen people pour concrete, right? Mm -hmm. And you got your your truck there, you know, spinning, and they they throw in these fiber. Um, I think it's fiberglass. I'm not sure what the fibers are, but like, you know, there, there's like, they'll have this little bale of fiber mm -hmm. and they'll break it and throw it, start throwing it in there right. to like, that's supposed to add strength. Right. Like, right. And 
And but with this stuff, you've already got this uh, this this steel strands, with right? It. So uh, these these steel fibers act actually act very similar to the composite fibers you're you're used to seeing. Okay. Oh, those are composite. Right? Typically, they'll be uh, like a carbon fiber or uh, some other. Okay. Um, and there was one more thing that I was going to ask you just now, and I can't remember what it was. Um, I guess that's it. So we can go back to that question. Is there anything I haven't asked you that? Um, well, kind of to go back to where you mentioned, you know, used to saying a truck bring in. So with the complexity of this um, UHPC, we actually make it and mix it right on site. We had, instead of trucking it in, we'll have large mixers that we sit at the ends of the bridge and we pour all the different mixes and the steel fibers and everything into these mixers that they kind of look like large, um, Almost like if you've seen Star Wars, the at-ats, they kind of look like those mm -hmm. and they sit up top and you pour them all in the top and you mix it all in and then it um, shoots it out the bottom mm -hmm. where they'll wheelbarrow it or sometimes they'll use buggies and they'll move it to the location to dump it. I guess, I guess that's something, I guess that's something with concrete too. You, you, you really do have to focus on like, what is the optimum temperature for, for that you guys try to work with it given that, you know. If it's too hot or there's too much sun, it'll it'll pull out too much of that moisture before it's had an opportunity to make the chemicals or whatever the ingredients in it like cure properly. So it really depends on the concrete, on the mix design, um, and the standards you're following. Um, typically, in construction, you want to pour early in the morning before you get those, especially if you're in summer, before you get those summer midday heats. Um, there are standards that tell you when it's too hot to pour. Sometimes humidity is wrapped into that as well. And then um, other weather like raining, ODOT um, standard, which is what we're using for a lot of this concrete pour is um, basically just flat blanket statement. If it's raining, you cannot pour concrete. Mm -hmm. So there's some constraints there, but typically in construction, you, you, you'll see very early, early morning pours and that's very common. And, um, and if you do pour like, uh, I guess, well, that throws off the whole mix, right? Too much water, too much humidity. Too much water, right? too much humidity. Um, there's actually a lot of testing done in concrete. When it arrives on site, you'll do different testing to see if it has, make sure it has the right viscosity so that it flows the correct amount. Um, you'll also test the air com um, components, how much air is in the concrete. And um, we'll also do what's called cylinders where We'll take the concrete directly from the truck or the mixer, wherever we're pouring it, and we'll take samples of that exact concrete, fill them in cylinders, and we'll get multiple cylinders, and then we'll break them throughout the week. So we'll have like a one-day break. We'll have a four-day break, a seven-day break, and then we'll wait, have one that lasts all the way to 28 days, and we'll break it at 28 days so that we can see how this concrete is hardening, how much strength it's, it's getting as it cures over these days. Well, I, I um, yeah, and I guess concrete gets strong. It's supposed to, if it's done right, right, get stronger with age. Isn't that the... Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you typically, um, not always, but typically you'll see that maximum strength that it's going to get after the 28 days. Those are common last breaks is 28 days. Okay. Thank you for taking the time once again to show me around and, and show me the... You guys have made a lot of, lot of progress. I think the last time I was out here was almost a year ago and... 
I think you were, they were just getting started taking off the old, the original bridge deck, you know, and, and, and getting things started. Maybe they were just putting up the crane. I can't, how long have they had the crane out there? They've had the crane out since the beginning. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I, it I think it was out there. Well, hey, thanks a lot. I really appreciate You're it. Is welcome. there anything else? Um, no, just add? shout out to, I guess, um, the designer of record who's a core employee, Jeff Roberts. He designed the whole thing. He did a really good job. Um, he's currently out at the Portland district, but he's still working with us. And um, David Jarvis is another designer at the district who's our bridge expert, and he's been helping a lot with this. And then um, our prime contractor is Bobley Contractors out of Little Rock, and they've done a really good job. In the- and you got your safety team that was out there today? Our safety team, yeah, the Tulsa District safety team has been out um, almost monthly, and they they do they're always very thorough. They do a good job. They really help us out with you know making sure that the contractor is safe and that their guys are all going to get home. Yeah, I was I was amazed. Like even when we were down there, you guys were looking for stuff, and I mean you guys do so much. There's so much quality control that goes on throughout a project, and I mean I was. I was like, I just thought we were just going to be walking around and you were going to be showing me stuff. And then you guys are like, oh, let's uh, have that. Let's double check that. And let's double check this. <laughs> so there's a lot of little pieces, a lot of stuff to look at. And, and, and it's important. You know, I mean, people are going to be driving over this and you want it done right. And um, and that's a testament to, you know, you guys commitment to safety on and, and making sure that we have a good product at the end of the game. Right. Thank you for joining us for Core Construction. Construction is a production of the Tulsa District Public Affairs Office. This episode of Construction was brought to you by the Engineering and Construction Division of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. To learn more about the Tulsa District, you can reach us on the web at www.swt.usace.army.mil. You can also reach out to us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, at USACE Tulsa, all one word. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.